The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recryptulous Romance. <laughs> another haunting tale of love and death. Death? Oh no! Death! <laughs> this story was suggested by James W. Thank you very much, James. Yes, James sent us a great story. James went above and beyond because he sent us an email with a detailed outline. True. <laughs> and a lot of facts that helped get oh, yeah. us going on oh, this. Oh, yeah, it did. Um, so, big <laughs> thanks to James for this one because this is a creepy story. For sure. Yes. Excited to bring you this today, uh, just a couple weeks before Halloween. We're getting there. We're mm-hmm. so close. Mm-hmm. We need to get our yard shit out. We have really not had time to get our house decorated. We've got a whole box of stuff in the basement. More yeah. on order. Right. We're going to, it's it's going. And we yeah. still don't have our costumes. I am just not ready. Ready for I'm Halloween. I'm ready. I'm rarely ready. I don't know why October is always the busiest damn month of the year, no matter what job I have, no matter what <laughs> stage of life I'm in. October is always insane. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of fall theater happening, and it just 
it's my favorite holiday and it's the easiest one to miss. And that's very frustrating. It is. It's true. We should have Halloween week off of work specifically for this reason. I think we should have also the last week of September off for work to prepare for For October. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Yep. All that makes sense. And anyway, we'll have a petition circulating (laughs) within days. Okay. A federal Halloween. (gasps) Halloween. I'm mean, done with these holidays. I want, I want a, a holiday week. week. <laughs> <laughs> Who's with us? Yes. Let us know if you're with us. And if you are, we will hop on over to change.org and <laughs> get something Things going. going. <laughs> well, uh, so good to have you back. Always. For this chilling episode. Yes. In these chilling times. Um, hope everybody's feeling good. Hope right. everybody's feeling spooky. Yeah, hopefully you're more ready for Halloween than we are. Yeah, um, getting those getting those scary movies in. Mm-hmm. We've got a few to get started on ourselves, including the new Muppets Haunted Mansion. Ah, uh, true. Which, not gonna on. miss that. Yeah, I'm not. Can't I'm miss it. Miss a Muppet thing. Obviously not. But yes, it is spooky freaking season. Yes. And because of that, we have got a spooky story for you today, a little different than last week's, mm-hmm. um, but a bit more of an eerie tale, something yeah. that's just going to make you a little uncomfortable and kind of make your skin crawl a little bit, I think. Um, True. But no less ridiculous, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. Fred Osterreich and his wife, Dolly, lived a comfortable life in early 1900s Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's the least scary place in the world. Totally. I mean, what happens in Milwaukee? Cheese, curds, that's it. Beer and beer. Beer, yeah. Yeah. Everything's great there. Fence posts, everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) He was the owner of a women's clothing factory, and he worked long hours while she cared for their home. No one would have suspected anything out of the ordinary, but something was off, something only Fred could feel, and he began to question his own sanity. Then one day, a day like any other, a mysterious figure leapt from the shadows and murdered Fred in his own home. So let's dive in and find out all the devilish details. Ooh, my hair is already standing up. I'm ready. Let's do it. Hey Hey there, there, friends. Come Come listen well. Eli and Diana say you're welcome to hell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about corpses who are lying in crypts. A lover might be any type of monster at all. A ghoul, a ghost, or a demonic doll. But if there's a spirit worth a second chance, we'll put it in our show, Recryptulous Romance. <laughs> A production of iHeartRadio. Volberga Korschel, or Dolly, as she was called, was born in 1880. She may have been born in Germany, but she might have been born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're not sure exactly. Mm -hmm. But either way, she grew up there with her parents in a community of German immigrants. This was a small, peaceful community where everyone knew their neighbors and they all looked out for each other. Nice. When she was 12... Her parents, naturally, were like, Okay, Dolly, you're a grown woman now. It's time for you to get a job and earn your keep. Yeah, how embarrassing to be 13 years old and still living with your parents. (laughs) (laughs) So, indeed, she went to go find work, and she got a job at a nearby textile mill. 
Over the next few years, she grew into an attractive, charismatic young girl who caught the eye of many other men at work and around town. Among these men was Fred William Osterreich. He was born in 1877 in Chicago, and he had just moved with his family to Milwaukee to be closer to other German immigrants as well. Just a few years older than Dolly, Fred worked tirelessly, ensuring that he would rise through the ranks and one day own the factory himself. He and Dolly started spending time together, and even though she was flirtatious, constantly being approached by other boys, because she's so pretty, Mm -hmm. Fred's ambition won her out. And in 1897, when she was 17 and he was 20, they married. Before long, Fred was in charge of the factory. And he wanted to make sure other immigrants were working as well, so he focused on hiring them as much as possible at the textile mill. And they made women's clothes. They focused primarily on aprons. And under the young Fred, the factory was thriving. Business was constant. Dolly also rose in the ranks a bit, and as the most popular and powerful woman in the factory, she was known for settling issues in labor disputes with her charm and quick thinking, acting as a much more diplomatic intermediary to Fred, who was a bit more cold and calculating. Oh, okay. And he's all business, so he probably was like, what's the bottom line? She was like the good cop. Yeah. The good cute cop. The cute cop. And he was the dodgy old (laughs) crumpy cop. Yeah, grumpy cop. Yeah. Yes, grouchy cop Fred. (laughs) Uh, And it wasn't long before Fred was earning enough that Dolly was able to leave her job and start taking care of their home full time. Oh. Um, So they were living the American dream. Yeah, for sure. They were setting an example for prosperity and opportunity for German immigrants far and wide. Yeah. Everything's perfect. I always think of like, you know, old Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes yeah. always start, you know, in the first mm-hmm. eight minutes yeah. are all just like, oh, we're moving into this new house. Yeah. Oh, we're new in town, but you'll make friends, kids. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's Perfect so home, sunshine. Loving parents. Yeah. Bright sunshine. Everything's good and there's no problems at all. But over the years... Fred worked longer and longer hours. His own ambition was starting to take a toll on him. At night, at home, he'd hear strange noises softly echoing around the house. He would awaken startled to bumps in the night. And he'd go hunting around the house for signs of intruders. But there were none. Doors and windows were locked, and still, the house was quiet. But he was losing sleep out of what little time he did have to sleep. And then he started to see things go missing. He felt like cigars were missing, like he didn't smoke that often, and when he went to go for one, there were way fewer than he thought there would be. Leftovers that he swore they had in the icebox would disappear by the next day. Hmm. Dolly would clear things up for him. She said, you know, no, you're mistaken. I only cooked enough for one meal, and you ate it all last night. Mm -hmm. And he thought, okay, well, that makes sense. But was he going crazy? Something was wrong. More noises, more bumps in the night. Sometimes he'd hear a strange, guttural sound like some vicious animal with a bone stuck in its throat. But every time, Dolly heard nothing. I think you need to see a doctor, she told him. Lying in bed, panicked, starved for sleep, he saw shadows pass by the bedroom door. 
Again, he'd leap from bed, and with a rush of adrenaline go snooping through the house, opening closets and cabinets, convinced there was someone inside with him. But there was no sign. Then one Sunday evening, Fred was in his front garden, when he just looked up at his own house, and there, in the attic window, in the fading light, he saw something. A ghostly, pale figure with sunken eyes and a gaunt, lifeless face. Fred gasped and dropped his trowel. He looked down for half a second to grab it, and when he looked back up, the figure was gone. He stormed towards the house. Dolly was startled. What what on earth is the matter, Fred? (laughs) And Fred made for the attic staircase, convinced there was some body or some creature upstairs. She stopped him. He was mad. He was seeing things, and he couldn't trust his own eyes. So she told him... No, you know what? I'm going to go instead. Mm -hmm. And he tried to insist, but she was right. If he was losing his mind, he might not know what he was seeing. So Dolly went upstairs to look around. A few minutes later, she came back down. She told him, there's nothing there, Fred. Please, just go to the doctor. You're not well. The doctor told him, Fred, you gotta take things a little easier, okay? You're what the medical professionals call cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. (laughs) (laughs) So Fred tried to spend more time relaxing. And indeed, the noises, the strange sightings seemed to get less frequent. Then one night at a local beer party that the neighborhood Germans were throwing, BT dubs would go to that. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Hello. Fred and Dolly got into a heated spat. Fred told her to stay at the party, and he stormed off home in a huff. When he got home, he threw open the front door, and there in the kitchen, he saw him. A pale, gaunt young man sat at their table, gnawing at the bones of their leftover chicken dinner. If Fred hadn't already been so angry, he might have been startled. But in this moment, it all came together. He shouted at the young man, You! You're the one who's been eating my meat! Phrasing. The pale man stuttered. uh, Yes, sir. And Fred tossed him out into the street. When Dolly came home, he told her, and she couldn't believe it. There had been someone sneaking into their house this whole time? Oh, that's terrifying. Horrifying. Oh. It's like that guy found out that woman was living in his cabinets Uh, all those years. That is, like, legit a bit of a phobia of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, like, we'll go to bed, and I swear to God I hear a footstep. Ah, don't tell me that. (laughs) And I always look, and I don't see anyone. (laughs) That's because we start the dishwasher before bed. I know, that's what I think it is, too. That's gotta be it, right? But it still, it sounds so much like someone heading to the kitchen. All right. (laughs) That's enough. It's too late in the day to start these stories. (laughs) (sighs) So it wasn't long before they decided to move. The strange noises had stopped, but Fred was ready to go. He wanted to leave it all behind them. Mm -hmm. You know, business was going well, and Dolly suggested that maybe they should pack up and move to Los Angeles, California. That's where you go when you're doing well. Hey, absolutely. Why not? Dolly went ahead to scout out a house while Fred stayed behind to finish working and settle up his affairs with the factory. And she found one that was perfect for them. When they moved out, Fred was considering retiring. But he got there and he just loved the California sunshine. And he felt this renewed sense of vigor. His life was better than ever. And he decided 
he was going to purchase a factory outside L.A. and continue working. But with starting a new factory came long work hours again. He was gone full days and missing sleep. He started drinking more heavily to take the edge off, and he would come home in a stupor, just cranky and grumbling. So Dolly would feed him and send him off to bed just to wake up and do it all over again the next day. And then the noises started again. Strange, scuffling sounds. Odd shadows. Muffled breathing. But how? They were hundreds of miles away from where their intruder had been disrupting their lives before. It was impossible. He told Dolly about it, and she reminded him how much stress and pressure he was under. He was likely just reliving those tortured moments from Milwaukee all over again. Of course she was right. The sounds stopped. But Fred didn't get much better. They fought more frequently and in more heated arguments. Fred was almost never home, and when he was, they yelled at each other until Fred went to sleep. Mm. On August 22, 1922, they went out for the evening trying to enjoy their time together and soothe their constant bickering. But it wasn't long before Fred was set off by something, and some petty argument turned into an all-out rage. They went home in a huff and continued their argument inside. Fred yelled. Dolly yelled back and stormed away. But when she turned, she slipped on a throw rug and fell to the ground. There was a loud crash, and all Fred's anger left him as he went to go make sure she was okay. He helped her back up to her feet, and then he turned and saw him. The ghost boy from Milwaukee was standing right there in their kitchen, ghastly and ghoulish as before. Skinny and pale, this time he was holding two small pistols. Fred recognized him immediately. He screamed and charged at the specter, tackling to the ground and putting his hands around his scrawny throat. They scuffled, and then... Dolly screamed as the two bodies fell apart. Fred was dead. Ugh. Oh, man. What happened? A Milwaukee the, ghost? Kid, the ghost person came from nowhere. nowhere. Followed them. Who is this parasite? <laughs> so who is this ghoulish gunman? And what happened next? Well, we're going to find out right after we come back from this commercial break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Okay, so what the hell happened here? All right. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Look, we're, I need to know. We're gonna go through the answers. We we know most of what happened, but we're gonna have to rewind a bit, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have to step out of Fred's perspective, where right. we've been for sort of Act One, because honestly, Fred was as clueless as we are now. He had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So picture, if you will. The part in Hamilton where they all rewind and we see it from another pair of eyes. We don't have the budget for that. Well, that's why I told him to picture it. <laughs> that, I don't think we have the budget to tell them to picture me it. That <laughs> So remember that Dolly was everybody's favorite back around the factory, right? She mm-hmm. was very diplomatic when she worked there. She was great at mediating quarrels between the management and the workers. And also, and maybe a little bit the reason behind mm-hmm. that is that she was super hot. She mm-hmm. was beautiful. She was flirtatious. She was always up for a good time. Like, you know, the boys really liked spending time with her, and they'd listen to anything she had to say. It's a real firecracker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One report said that she was a, quote, gorgeous woman with a figure that could wake a corpse. Uh, wow. <laughs> Which reminded me of the quote from the Marguerite Steinheil and Felix Faure episode, the mm-hmm. French president who died from the blowjob. Right. <laughs> uh, where he was said to describe her as being someone who could make a corpse come. Ooh. Gross. So gross. Why is everyone so obsessed with corpses coming back to life to have To have them? sex? I, this is a very <laughs> strange trend. Very weird. Yeah. That's two. And I, I don't want to get a third strike too many. in that category. <laughs> exactly. That's too, too many. <laughs> so... She's super hot. All the boys are always talking to her. She's great at mediating. And 
Meanwhile, Fred was working constantly. He was almost never home. And when he was, he was usually either grumpy and or drunk. Mm. So, look, Dolly wasn't exactly satisfied in this marriage. And in the first several years, Dolly allegedly took many lovers during the days while Fred was off at work. Mm. Mostly, we're talking harmless fun, a few brief flings, you know, just some boy toys coming over to play. And... She was real kind of McConaughey about it, you know. <laughs> she kept getting older, but the boys stayed the same age. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Before we get sued, um, McConaughey is not like that. Well, yes, <laughs> the characters. <obviously>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're saying? Matthew McConaughey's not going to come after us. If he does, that's the best publicity we've ever had. I know, right? Please. <laughs> In 1913, when she was 33. Dolly told Fred to send someone from the factory to fix her sewing machine. So there was a knock on the door. Dolly opened it to reveal the 17-year-old Otto Sanhuber. Dolly was very welcoming. She was wearing only stockings, a silk robe, and that's it. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. The charms that God gave her, okay? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He probably said... Hey, I'm here to fix your sewing machine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good, because that little needle isn't giving me the prick I need. Oh, wow. (laughs) I have seen this movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, of course, obviously. Yeah, really bad writing. (laughs) Probably terrible production quality. Yeah, but you're watching for the stockings and the silk robe. Right, right. Right. And, yeah, they did start banging. Okay. Um, No surprise there. (laughs) Yeah. I think she made it pretty clear what he was there yeah. to fix. And, yeah, he came over to fix that old sewing machine a lot. Okay. This is forever breaking down. <laughs> uh, so much, in fact, that the neighbors in this tight-knit little conservative immigrant community started asking some questions. Oh, mm. uh, hey, Dolly, just here to get some sourdough starter. Um, <laughs> by the way, who is this young boy who keeps visiting you at all hours? Hey, Dolly, just came over some, for some schnitzel <laughs> and some Kruger doodles. Kruger doodles? Kruger doodles? I don't know, it sounds delicious. I just made some pretzels and I wanted to ask also, um, who's your friend? Hey, Dolly, I was just playing my tuba, the oompas, <laughs> and I noticed a boy keeps coming over. Oh, sorry, Germany. Right, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Dolly, you know, had to come up with something, and so she started telling him that it was her vagabond half-brother Oh, sure, yeah. who would just come and stay with her sometimes. Yeah, classic. She was like... Yeah, he's a big boy. I'm just helping him become a man. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dolly. Your half-brother? <laughs> Wait a minute now. <laughs> but eventually it was getting a little strange. I mean, he was pretty frequently there. So they started kind of being like, wow, he sure is coming a lot. And Dolly was probably like, him and me both. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> These podcasts are rated explicit. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously, you know, the cover's going to get blown here sooner or later, so they had to come up with something else. Mm -hmm. Otto just showing up and leaving two hours later with his hair all tussled was going to start, you know, they were going to ask more questions. It was going to give them away, right? A little obvious. 
So Dolly had the perfect solution. You know, a solution anyone would come up with in her situation. She said, why don't you just live here? You can stay in the attic at night and come down to the house during the day. And Otto's like, oh, well, that might work. But she tells him the catch is, you know, he basically wouldn't ever see anyone else or go outside ever again. And so Otto thinks, you know, hmm, constant wild sex with this hot woman in her 30s. But in exchange, I have to give up my shitty factory job and never deal with people or rent or bills ever again. And his little teenage boy brain spent about two and a half full seconds thinking about that before saying, yes, I'm in 100%. This sounds great. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that because I was literally like, why in the world would he accept this deal? But I've never been a teenage boy. So I'm very glad you're 17. A hot like 33 year old woman is like, come live in my house and have sex with me all day. And I'll set up a cot for you in the attic at night. Yeah. Sure. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Especially if I'm working in a factory all day repairing sewing machines. Like, that sucks. Yeah. This is a great setup. (laughs) His his apartment probably wasn't much better than her attic, you know? Doubtful. Yeah, very probably worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there was a cot and a desk upstairs in this attic for him. So he spent his days doing chores and having wild, uninhibited sex with Dolly (laughs) and spent his nights reading adventure books by candlelight. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, like, teenage boy or not, (laughs) this is a pretty good deal. (laughs) I'm in. Occasionally, Dolly would scold him for making too much noise or walking too loudly or sneaking around at night. She's like, Fred is totally hearing things. So he would be careful for a few weeks before Fred heard or saw something again. She'd have to be like, I can't keep gaslighting Fred forever. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Sometimes he would treat himself to one of Fred's cigars, as Dolly told him how bored she was with her husband and how angry and nasty he could be sometimes after his long factory days. So Fred was seeing, he he wasn't seeing things. He, yeah. His cigars really were disappearing. Yep, yep. Poor Fred really made to feel right. crazy. Right, here, you he know. really. So Otto nearly never saw the sun, and he only ever ate their leftovers, the only exercise he was getting was the constant, crazy, daily sex he was having with this bored, freaky housewife. <laughs> so he was getting pale and skinny, but, you know, he was Dolly's special little secret. So, you know, she didn't mind. Mm-hmm. My special little schnitzel. <laughs> he spent so much time reading that he started to take an interest in writing himself. And eventually he wanted to get his own stories into these pulp fiction magazines and tell all these tales of wild sex and dangerous action and crazed murderers. Mm, fun. Yeah. I mean, you wonder where he's getting the taste for all this, uh, right? Right. <laughs> he's like, listen, now, the, the adventure part I'm going to have to lift from right. others, but the sex part is straight from life. I've got an idea about this guy who lives in an attic. <laughs> so... Eventually, Dolly helped him get his stories published under a pen name. On the night when Fred came home from the beer festival and found Otto sitting there at their kitchen table, you know, scarfing down their food, Mm -hmm. Dolly had to come back and really put on a show. Because (laughs) Fred is like, I can't believe this kid was in our house eating our food. And she's like, oh, what? That's so crazy. You're kidding me. I can't believe that. What next? (laughs) You'd think in a community like this, the neighbors would say something. 
She is. All's are coming and going. <laughs> How does he do it? Like laying it on a little too thick. Mm-hmm. And Fred's like, you know who's here all day? You are. Why yeah. didn't you see anything? I don't, you know, I just, he's very good, I guess. <laughs> so that night, Otto had to sleep outside and for several nights after. He wasn't sure exactly what to do next. According to Denise Snow's piece, Man in the Attic on Murderpedia, Dolly told Otto to take the money from his publishings and go ahead and move ahead of them to Los Angeles. She said they wouldn't be too far behind. Mm, Dolly's a planner. All right. Don't play Dolly in risk. (laughs) Not if not if risk involves her, you know, getting railed. Specifically her vagina. (laughs) Really loves doing it all day. (laughs) That's not something she was willing to Mm. trade for anything. She's got a lot of energy. She would go great lengths to make sure she's getting laid all day. (laughs) She would go great lengths for great lengths. Hey. (laughs) She started working on Fred, convincing him it was time to move somewhere sunny and warm. They had the money and deserved a paradise. Yeah, absolutely. And Fred thought it was just the right idea. You know, we deserve something better than the cold winters of Milwaukee and... He wanted to get far away from this torture that he had endured for several years of this prowling snoop that made him feel insane in yeah, his own house. Absolutely. I'd want to get out of that house, too. Right. I might fully move. Like if someone moved into if, if I was right and there was someone living in this house besides us, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm getting the fuck out of Georgia. Yeah, I might duh. leave the U.S. of A. <laughs> Just Put me on one of those rocket ships. I'm going to Mars. <laughs> I'm done. I'm I want done. there to be no other people on the planet that I'm on. <laughs> Just so I know for sure. Yes. Even then, I'll be hearing bumps in the night. Martians? <laughs> True. So Dolly was like, I'll go ahead of you and pick out the perfect house. Mm. <laughs> Ones that happen to have a nice, spacious attic for some reason. Oh, what a coincidence. Oh, how how helpful. <laughs> and sure enough, in 1918, they moved to L.A. and... It started all over again. Mm. Now, Otto hated Los Angeles, unlike Fred. The blazing sun was like a little too much for a man who'd spent years in an attic. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, <laughs> his skin just, was so pale. Yes, it's like a vampire. Immediate sunburn yeah. all, every day. <laughs> Their routine went right back to normal. Otto was happily back in the safety of Dolly's Belfry, oh. you could say. Spats in the Belfry. Mm. And long days in the factory for Fred meant long days of banging on every surface in the house for Dolly and Otto. Oh. Just like they liked it. <laughs> and this continued for years. Wow. In 1920, when Prohibition started, they decided to add a little spice to their already naughty behavior and started making bathtub gin together. <laughs> These two. (laughs) Fred never questioned the constant supply. I mean, it kept him drunk, so what does he care where it's coming from? (laughs) He was just like, great, I don't care. Great job, Dolly, finding... Gin sounds great. (laughs) Finding this illegal gin. Uh Uh-huh. Keep uh, pouring it down my throat. I mean, yeah, just timeline-wise to recap, they met in 1913 is when he came to to fix her sewing machine over and over and over again. And he's been living in her attic for now... Five years before they move. Right. And then once they're in Los Angeles, it's been now another two years before it's 1920. And then it continues. Then came the night 
in August of 1922, now almost 10 years of him living in her attic, when Fred and Dolly came home in a rage that night, Otto could hear them arguing from upstairs, and the shouting got louder than usual. He was used to them fighting, but this was different. It sounded brutal. It sounded like maybe this might turn violent. Mm. So he was getting really nervous. And then that loud crash. <coughs> now we know that Dolly had slipped on a throw rug and fell to the ground. Right. But all Otto heard was her scream and a crash. Like thud, yeah. He thought Fred must have hit her. Mm. And that was too much for Otto. He wasn't going to stand for it. He loved this woman. So he grabbed these two guns that he'd had up there, and he came running downstairs. Ran into the kitchen to see Fred pulling Dolly up from the ground. Fred turned, their eyes locked, and then this rageful husband came and tackled Otto to the ground. There's this scuffle. Otto was trying to get Fred off of him. Dolly was screaming at them both to stop. And then... Fred was dead. Ah. Oh. Man, Otto had a whole different story. Uh, Otto's experience was very different. (laughs) (laughs) Man, maybe get a little information before you pull the trigger on somebody. Well, you know, you spend 10 years in an attic and I feel like your judgment's a little off, especially reading Reading pulp pulp fiction, right? Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) You're just like, obviously he's going to kill her. I have to save her. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Now we know the full story. There was no murderous ghost. I was just a sun-deprived fuck buddy living in the attic for almost 10 years. (laughs) Still super spooky. But now, their secret thrilling affair had turned murderous. Oh, no. Things would never be the same. Yeah. And we will find out what happens next, right after this commercial break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA He says somebody's in the house and I screamed Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we're back with the spooky conclusion of The Attic Man. (laughs) The Attic Man. (laughs) Dolly really felt like she had it all figured out. She had seduced this boy into giving up his life for her yeah. and having sex uh, upwards of eight times a day. Damn. Sometimes. How did she convince him? <laughs> How in the world did she do it? And as he grew into a young man, he became obsessed with her, ob- uh, obviously. Yeah, I mean, well, who else? Yeah. Where else? Yeah. Uh, it's know? called being impressionable. It's called grooming. <laughs> grooming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's not okay. It's not cool. In 1930, the L.A. Times reported that he had grown to love Dolly, quote, as a boy loves his mother. Uh, I hope not. Th- yeah, that is not <laughs> how a boy loves his mother. Ooh, if uh, you're having sex with your mother eight times a day, you're not doing yeah. other son right. <laughs> let's let's get it addressed at one time a day. I, <laughs> Never yeah. make it to eight. Jesus. Jeez, that's so dark. Ugh. But that's a weird quote anyway. Yes, L.A. LA Times, Times Come on. 1930, maybe... I mean, I guess that, that maybe they're trying to say he felt very, like, reliable, he, yes. like, reliant on her. He was, um, yes, exactly. She was as much a motherly figure as she was a sexual figure to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Right, right. It's just phrasing, that you know. a like... little bit gross way to say it. <laughs> um, and yeah, Fred was argumentative, frequently drunk, completely neglected her physical and emotional needs, but he provided a wealthy, luxurious life. And she could manipulate him easily enough to her own ends. So, yeah, she's, I mean, she's got it all figured out for yeah. quite some time here. Yep. Doing pretty, everything's coming up Dolly for right. quite some time. <laughs> like a decade. <laughs> but, you know, the bill comes due. Mm. And now one loud fight, a slip on the rug, and a misunderstanding later. Now she's involved with a murder. Ugh. So what's the standard procedure when your addict-dwelling boyfriend murders your husband? Obviously, you try to cover it up. Duh, who wouldn't? All the years of auto-reading these crime stories and murder cases suddenly became incredibly useful. (laughs) And for the only time in his relationship with Dolly, he started giving orders. I mean, Dolly was shaking and terrified. Like, this was very traumatic for her. Nothing she ever expected to happen. But Otto, who, you know, has... (laughs) 
I don't know what's wrong with his emotional state, but it can't be super healthy. So he jumps up and he knows exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. Atlas Obscura describes them rigging the scene to make it look like a home invasion and a robbery. Oh. Otto took Fred's diamond watch and they agreed that he would lock Dolly in the closet from the outside. And then instead of running where people might see him leave the house or any a number of things could happen, Otto just took the guns and the watch and the keys to the closet and he ran back up and hid in the attic. He knew how to hide up there. Yeah, right. He knew how to stay quiet. So they knew it wouldn't be long before the cops showed up because the neighbors indefinitely heard the gunshots. And just to make sure, Dolly started screaming and screaming until the police showed up. And when they got there... She told them the whole story. A burglar broke in, shot Fred, took some things, locked me in the closet before leaving. I mean, it sounded a little strange, but mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out how Dolly would lock herself in a closet. And they were probably like, what happened to your accent? I thought <laughs> you were a German woman. <laughs> uh, I've really been practicing. <laughs> My elocution, geez, sue me. So anyway, they were like, fine, whatever. They, she was released, and the investigation did continue. Obviously, this is a murder. And stuff was off about her story. I mean, the only thing missing was Fred's diamond watch. Hmm. His wallet was still in his pocket, and it was stuffed with cash. Oh, yeah. Why didn't they take that? Nothing else from the house seemed to be missing. And also, they determined Fred had been killed by a twenty-five caliber pistol, which was a small gun that, like, no serious burglar would use. Right. So they were kind of like, mm, there's some ends not really meeting up here. <laughs> Either something's wrong or this is the worst burglar who's right. ever burgled a house. <laughs> Which is possible. There's some dumbass oh, sure. criminals out oh, there. Yeah. Dolly inherited a fortune from Fred and his two booming factories. So it was time to move into a new house. I mean, now that she was widowed, she and Otto could finally live a life out in the open together in a real home like a real couple. Yeah. I mean, they could, but they didn't. Oh. Instead, they found a house with another large attic, and Otto continued to live in hiding. Okay. Why? (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, She purchased him a typewriter, and he kept writing and publishing stories from his attic (laughs) He's just like, I mean, you know, I don't want to come out of my my crypt. (laughs) My I like I, I won't leave my precious spiders. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. They're my friends. <laughs> Poor Otto, what's going on with I Otto? I mean, he's got to be nuts, right? Seriously. It's over a decade locked in an attic. Sex all day, attic all night. This kid is not normal. <laughs> attic all night. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Dolly gets to work on settling Fred's estate and she hired a lawyer named Herman Shapiro. And of course, you know, Dolly, it wasn't long before they started flirting a little and then eventually they were dating. Mm -hmm. After some time, things were getting pretty serious with old Herman Shapiro and she wanted to give him something nice. So despite her inherited fortune, Uh, she was like, how about a hand me down? (laughs) I don't want to actually spend any money (laughs) on you. (laughs) Why spend money when I have something perfectly nice right here? (laughs) So during dinner, she presented him with a beautiful gold and diamond watch. Hmm. And Shapiro immediately recognized this and was like, uh, hey, um, sorry, isn't this your husband's watch from, you know, when he was murdered and uh-huh. it was stolen? 
And she, you know, the quick thinker that she is, just brushes it off and says, oh, I found it under the couch cushions. Mm. You know, no big deal. I didn't think it was worth telling the police about. And Shapira's like, okay. <laughs> Fun fact, that is where a lot of people like to keep their gold and diamond watches. Oh, yes, under of course. Under the couch cushions. Couch cushions, so common, yes. <laughs> common place for jewelry guess, and valuables. I guess she's like, oh, I, the robbers must have sat down and watched some TV before they <laughs> left. And just, it fell into the couch. They ate a little summer sausage. <laughs> <laughs> and it fell out of his pocket. At any rate, he's got this watch now. He feels a little weird about it. And, you know, Dolly, she's not easy to satisfy. That's right. Insatiable. Yeah, Shapiro's a lawyer. He's working long days, as lawyers do sometimes. And then, of course, Otto is getting caught up in his writing. So Mm. Dolly's got a little time to herself. And you know how she likes to fill a little time with herself. (laughs) She likes to fill a little bit of herself. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is rated explicit. Um. So she goes out and finds herself a third lover. Mm. He was an actor and producer named Roy Klum. K-L-U-M-B, just because I love that name. Klum. 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 (laughs) And so they're dating for a while, and one day she walks up to him, presumably shoves her boobs in his face, and is like, Hey, I just found this little gun. And you know, it's not the one that killed my ex-husband, but it kind of looks like it, and I don't want the police to get suspicious. So will you get rid of it for me, please, pretty please? And Roy Klum is like, boobs, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And just... In not thinking with his head, he... <laughs> well, not that head. Well, <laughs> he took the gun to the La Brea Tar Pits and tossed it in. So that was one gun taken care of, and she just had one left. So, yeah, for that one, she went to a, a neighbor, John Farber, oh. and pulled a similar stunt. <laughs> oh. She probably leaned on a table, you know, to really poke those yeah. that cleavage up. Yep, squish them together. cleavage going. Yep. He said, oh, I'm just a silly, sexy girl, and I can't believe I have this little gun. I need a big man to give me a hand and help me get rid of it. You look like a big man. <laughs> <laughs> and Farber was like, da-da, pretty girl. <laughs> And he buried the gun in his yard under his own rose bushes. We're not very nice to Roy and John, are we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say I sh- we should have put this in speculation station oh. because we don't know exactly how she convinced them to do this. Right, right. True. But she did convince Roy to throw the gun in La Brea tar pits mm-hmm. and John to bury the gun in his backyard. And I don't know how else she could have convinced <laughs> them to do that. Without being very flirtatious. I mean, uh-huh. maybe it was a bribe. That's you know, true. Non, it's non, none, nothing like that was ever said, mm-hmm. um, as far as I could tell, but uh, she got them to do it. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, she... if I knew someone whose husband had been shot and killed and they came to me with a gun and said, Will you hide this for me? Like, right. I'd be like, Well, that probably makes me an accomplice to uh-huh. murder, so no. Right. I don't care how nice your boobs are. Yeah. I'll look my fill and leave, ma'am. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I'm not saying nobody could convince me, you know. Mm-hmm. She probably wouldn't go to you. She'd be like, Yeah. Eli would never go for this story. Yeah. yeah. She'd, she'd look for the 
she go for the the Roy's? Yeah, the Roy Clums. <laughs> the Roy Clums. Roy Clum, pretty dumb. I think that's probably what people <laughs> said about him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she took care of business. All right, in her opinion, I'm sure she's like, great, everything t- dusted off my hands. Everything's good. Uh huh. But in July of 1923, this is 11 months after the murder, after Fred's murder, the lead investigator, Detective Herman Klein, heard a rumor that Dolly's boyfriend was walking around with a fancy diamond watch. Hmm, What's that about? So Klein went to Shapiro and asked him about it. And Shapiro basically was like, yeah, I thought that was kind (laughs) of (laughs) weird. And he turned it over to the cops, which I'm sure Detective Klein was like, might have should have done that. Maybe when you got the watch in the first place. Thanks for nothing, Herman. (laughs) Been waiting for 11 months for a break in this case. You've been walking around with the evidence on your wrist. <laughs> Staying up nights. Aren't you a lawyer? <laughs> for real. <laughs> and meanwhile, Roy Clum had become obsessed with Dolly and was hounding her to marry him. So, but when she said no, he then asked her for money. Well. And she gave him 600 bucks and she told him to get lost. And that made him furious. So, so pissed that he went straight to the newspapers to try to sell them the story of the gun that she had given him to hide. And the newspapers were not particularly interested in this story. So then he went to the police. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) The police don't pay for these tips, okay? (laughs) You gotta go, you gotta make money first. Roy's an entrepreneur. I gotta say, though, that 600 bucks was a pretty sweet deal because I'm just punching it into the calculator here. It was 1923. That's almost $10,000 today. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Dolly was rolling in it, so she probably could have given him a bit more. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, if 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 I proposed to a girl and she said, no, here's 10 grand, fuck off. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, fine. Well, that's sad. I'm sad, but also I can be sad for a while without working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now Detective Klein had the watch and he had the location of one gun, but he would need the location of the other to put this whole thing together. Mm-hmm. So they leaked the story to the press. And the next day it hit the headlines and sure enough, John Farber, the neighbor, walked right into the police station, and he said, Hey, I got one of those guns. (laughs) Damn it, John, you idiot. Buried in my yard under a rose bush. (laughs) (laughs) So they dug up the gun under the rose bushes, presumably didn't ask John, Why did you bury a gun that someone asked you to hide? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, You've seen her boobs. (laughs) They're like, We get it. No no jury in America would rule against you for that. (laughs) Jeez. So they got that gun and they managed to fish the other one out of the tar pits. Clum, because Roy Clum, pretty Pretty dumb, dumb. (laughs) actually tossed it in a very shallow area of the tar pits. So it was pretty easy for them to find. I'd be like, you threw into a tar pit? We're golden. Like, I shouldn't have to worry about a shallow part of a tar pit. (laughs) He found it. Roy found it. So that was enough. It was sufficient for an arrest on suspicion of murder. Damn. Dolly was arrested and went to jail to await trial. So her lover, Herman Shapiro, came to visit her. He was a civil lawyer and not a criminal lawyer. She would point out that mm-hmm. he could not you know, help her in this case as her attorney, but 
she had some other favor to ask him for. <laughs> hmm. She said, hey, um, Herman, funny story, but you know my house? Well, <laughs> up in the attic, where you never go, um, my vagabond half-brother is living there, and he can't take care of himself, so would you please bring him some food, pretty please? Mm. She batted her eyelashes, and Shapiro's like, boy, this keeps getting weirder and weirder, <laughs> but I'm going to roll with it, okay. <laughs> And he went to the grocery store, bought some food, and came back to the house. Yeah, and he got there, went to the attic, found the pale, ghostly man upstairs. Mm. And Otto, like, crawled out of the shadows like Gollum. <laughs> like, <laughs> no shirt and a little <laughs> loincloth. It's <laughs> just bones. And right. Big eyes that have adapted Seriously, to the dark like... light. <laughs> Precious has some bones. <laughs> Fish heads. Fish for me. heads for me. <laughs> anyway, he crouched on like a shelf to get a good look at Shapiro. And at first he was frightened that he'd been caught, obviously. But he and Shapiro started talking. And probably because it was the first person Otto had talked to in over a decade that yeah. was not uh, that was not Dolly. Yeah. He ended up spilling the beans about everything. He told Shapiro, all about his relationship with Dolly that he'd had now for, yeah, over 10 years, living in various attics and their sexual escapades during the day. And I wonder <laughs> if Herman was ever like, all right, that's, <laughs> yes. that's enough detail. He's like, like eight, eight times? Is that? Jesus, I wow. I've been trying for two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a, de- a job, so. Right, sir. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so, some of us have to work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, how does she not snap you in half? <laughs> like, you get like a third of a meal a day, probably. Right? I mean, geez. But all right. It worked for her. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, he also told him all about the murder, too. Like, wow. come on, Otto. A little indiscreet. <laughs> he just forgot how to keep a secret. Yeah. He never had to keep a secret before. Yeah. I mean, literally, the only person he talked to is Dolly. She already knew everything. She probably never even bothered to tell him, you know, don't tell anyone about this, because who's he going to talk to? That's true. And Shapiro told Dolly's criminal lawyer, whose name was Frank Dominiquez, about this man in the attic. And Frank had never heard about it from Dolly, obviously. Yeah, she, she wasn't going to share that information. Left that part out. <laughs> and Dominiquez told Shapiro... Like any good criminal lawyer, get that guy the hell out of there. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? He's going to blow this case wide open. Nato reluctantly agreed to leave because he understood, you know, the implications that it would have for Dolly if he were found. Dominiquez moved for a dismissal and the judge agreed. The judge was like, there's not enough evidence. The pistols had deteriorated to the point that they could not really be connected to the murder, and two rusty guns and, like, a gold watch didn't really tell, you know, a full story yeah, of a yeah. premeditated murder or right. something. And so, yeah, Dolly was free to go. So Dolly and Shapiro actually stayed together after that. They continued dating. But he was, you know, he, was, he put a foot down. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm not going to see you if you're continuing to see Otto. Right. Have sex eight times a day. Yeah, with the creature in your attic. (laughs) (laughs) With this golem you have upstairs. I'm not doing that. And you know, Dolly was like, okay, that that makes sense to me. That's fine. And probably there's more stability here than there is with my attic creature, my sex slave I've been holding on to. But she said, if we're going to break up with Otto, you've got to help him get a job. And you've got to make sure that he stays safe. Mm-hmm. 
And Shapiro, you know, because Dolly can talk any man into anything. Like, what is she doing? (laughs) I need a dose of that. He agrees. So he helped Otto find a job as a janitor in San Francisco. And shortly after that, apparently Otto moved to Canada. Dolly Osterreich and Herman Shapiro were a very happy couple for the next seven years. Seven more years went by without a peep. He was just like, yeah, I'll forget all about that stuff. (laughs) And I imagine the detective is just like, you know, just (laughs) rubbing his temples for seven years straight. Like, it's it's all there. It'll make sense. Why can't I finish this case? He he has like a rookie with him and he like leans back in a dark shadow with a cigarette. (laughs) Like, there's this one case I can never close. (laughs) I know it's the Dane, but I can never close. Sometimes they just elude you. Rookie. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. One day when you're on the fourth. <laughs> ah, nah, boss. I'm never going to have a case like that. I'm going to solve all my cases. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Till I met Dolly Osterich. <laughs> so in 1930, Dolly and Herman Shapiro had a pretty bad falling out. They had started an automobile loan company together, and Dolly was trying to dissolve the corporation, take all the money for herself. Damn. And so Herman really only had one option to retaliate. So he went to the police and filed an affidavit telling the story of Dolly's vagabond half-brother, quote-unquote, and everything Otto had told him in the attic that night. Oh. So he spilled it. He sang like a canary. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably Detective Klein, as we said, has been chain smoking and like looking (laughs) over this file over and over again trying to figure out how to trap this bitch. One day I'll get a break. And so he was like finally! (laughs) This is it! (laughs) You're gonna bust this case wide open! (laughs) But yeah she was swiftly arrested and coincidentally Otto had recently returned to LA and was working as a janitor in a boarding house and had married in Canada and changed his name to Walter Klein. I guess I get it. He's like, Otto Sandhuber lived in an attic, all right? Walter yeah. Klein is a married man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Proud janitor who spends his days on the first floors of buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so Otto, you know, was, was found to be local. He was arrested as well. Dolly turned herself in on her lawyer's advice and was released on a $50,000 bail. But Otto was denied bail. And his trial was first. The papers called him the Batman for living up in the attic all those years. And must be noted that there was no Batman, Bruce Wayne Batman yeah. yet. So this yeah. was pre-Batman. Right. This was a different this kind of bat. the original Batman. Yeah, they were this literally is... like, he's living like a bat in an attic. <laughs> yes. Not like he's a dope billionaire <laughs> with a secret identity. <laughs> so Otto's trial was going on and... Shapiro actually didn't show up when he was called to testify against Otto. But Ray Klum sure did. Ray Klum, not dumb. Not this time. Not this time. (laughs) Otto's attorney tried to make a case that Klum was actually the one who murdered Fred. But that landed like a box of rocks and (laughs) nobody bought it. Otto's attorney does not sound like a... He sounds like a Klum, a real Klum. (laughs) (laughs) He's the Klum family attorney. It's really bad. He's just turning around in the courtroom. Maybe that guy killed him. Uh, maybe that lady killed him. We no don't know. No one has asked the judge. I find <laughs> where that were, very suspicious. Where were you on the night of the murder, judge? <laughs> 
Maybe I killed him. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Who could know? What are we all doing I here? I don't know where I was. Case <laughs> dismissed. Let's go home. <laughs> so nobody's buying the claim that Clum killed Fred. Otto claimed that he had been locked in the attic the time that he heard the gunshots the night Fred was killed. He said it must have been Shapiro who murdered Fred. Uh, <laughs> Another no. baseless claim from nowhere. <laughs> Otto's lawyer made the case that Dolly kept Otto locked away in the attic as a sex slave and that he was her prisoner, which is probably the closest to accurate mm -hmm. that he's been so far in this case. Yeah, right. <laughs> but on the stand, Otto ended up admitting to owning two guns, which he had previously denied in a testimony. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't making a lot of sense. Yeah. His story was kind of full of holes. Just like Fred. Oh, hey, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, Fred. Sorry, Fred. At any rate, this story was full of holes. And when it finally went to the jury, they found Otto guilty of manslaughter on July 1st, 1930. Mm. Well, his lawyer remembered his, uh, his first two weeks in law school. <laughs> was like, wait a minute, I got something for this. And he points out that, hey... In California, the statute of limitations on manslaughter is seven years. And guess what, everybody? It's been eight years. So if he's guilty of manslaughter, then he's free to go. <laughs> and the judge is like, yep, you're right. So sure enough, Otto was free to go. And his wife had stuck by his side through the whole trial. She said no matter what happened, she was going to stay with him. And no one really knows what happened to Otto after this. It's presumed that he moved back to Canada with his wife and they lived happily ever after. Hmm. So just goes to show you, folks, if you murder someone and you wait long enough. Yeah, just run out the clock there. <laughs> yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> well, Dolly's case was next. And the defense tried to get the jury trial thrown out because Otto was already convicted of manslaughter. Right. So that should kind of... Absolve Dolly, too. I mean, right. clearly there was no premeditation. Yeah. So. And they said he did it. Right. But the judge sided with the prosecution to have no reference to the other trial given to the prospective jurors. Oh. So they were not allowed to kind of take that into consideration. You all with pretend Dolly's that trial. didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so weird. So the trial went ahead. And while her jury in 1922 had been made up of 12 men, this jury was six men and six women. Oh, hey, look at that. Nice. Equality. There we go. Seems the women's suffrage movement had an impact on the courts. Hey, you know what? Dolly got some of her peers up there. <laughs> there you go. And she got real nervous because she's like, oof, these bitches will not like me. <laughs> Dolly's lawyer. I think I slept with most of their husbands. <laughs> she's like, ooh, where are those 12 men at? Um, <laughs> it's like, I can win over 12 I men. Know, and, I have, I, and I have many times. <laughs> Some, uh, in the same day <laughs> at times. <laughs> Dolly's lawyer was Jerry Geisler, who after this case would go on to represent and get acquitted tons of Hollywood big shots. And Jerry was good at his job. The witnesses were largely the same from Otto's trial, with largely the same story, including Otto himself, who was brought in by the prosecution as a witness. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were like, well, if she kept you as a sex slave all these years, then you can come testify for us. And the prosecution tried to argue that Dolly brought the second gun in and she also shot Fred, mm. but it was kind of flimsy, didn't really hold up to the testimonies. 
most of the witnesses were testifying to Dolly's character, all about her affairs and her obvious disdain for Fred. A lot of people coming in and saying, yeah, Dolly has lots of sex. Dolly has lots of affairs. Right. Dolly didn't care about Fred. You know, really just going after her character here. But in the end, her lawyer, Jerry, argued that they weren't trying to say that this was a good woman. He said, quote, We ask for no sympathy. Her own actions have condemned her as an unmoral woman whose sins will bring their own punishment in time. But regardless, she may have violated the moral law. She cannot be convicted of murder on that count. Right. I mean, yeah, she can sleep with whoever she wants. It doesn't make her a murderer. Yeah. So, with one thing and another, the jury was hung. Just the way Dolly liked it. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is rated explicit. (laughs) (laughs) And after several days of votes and deliberations, they could not get past a 10 to 2 vote for conviction. Wow. And actually, all six women voted against her, which, again, not surprised. I'm like, she straight up was like, they're going to see their own 17-year-old son probably living in my freaking attic in their head and be like, oh, hell no. Uh, That makes sense. Sending this bitch to jail. That makes sense. Um, The judge was forced to declare a mistrial. And the charges were dropped. Dolly was free and clear. Yeah. And she remained in Los Angeles. She found herself a new boyfriend. Probably wasn't difficult. This boyfriend ended up being her business manager as well, Mm -hmm. and they stayed together for the next 30 years. Wow. And two weeks before she died, at the age of 75, she married him, and he inherited her entire fortune. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. His business manager. I know. I couldn't find anything about him, but he's really the one who came out on top here. Okay, for real. (laughs) Like, he was like, I wasn't even married for 30 years, but I still got married and freaking got a fortune. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this is nuts. You know, you, you might have crazy seen. Story. Yeah, you might have seen this story. Uh, there's a 1968 movie called The Bliss of Mrs. Blossom. And it was like a more comedic take on the events. It was starring Shirley MacLaine as uh, as Dolly. And then <laughs> in 1995, a young Neil Patrick Harris, fresh off of Doogie Howser, M.D., <laughs> played Otto in a film called The Man in the Attic. Oh. So you might have seen that. I, I have not seen that. No. I was pretty new to this story, so I haven't seen either of those things. I, yeah, I'd never heard of this until James W. sent it along. Yeah. So, but I, I was definitely, you know, initially creeped out. You, you think about, this. that's the thing why this one ended up being a recryptulous romance, because you think about Fred's experience and how right. terrifying. Like, you're literally, he literally was seeing shadows pass in front of his door in the middle of the night. Horrible. And he'd get up and look around his whole house thinking there's something in there with him and finding nothing like the doors are still locked i mean to look up and see a ghostly figure Uh, in your attic window uh, is like a horror trope for a reason that is horrifying (laughs) horrifying no thank you and again a night my nightmare my legit nightmare is that this will happen to me one day and you'll reveal your secret living girlfriend who will shoot me three times in the back oh my god no I would never let one of my secret girlfriends live here. Are you kidding me? I need some me <laughs> she <does> time. Better. <laughs> First of all, both of us are always in this house. I know, right? Twenty four seven. Yeah. There's no way. Second of all, if you ever leave the house for twenty minutes, it's the I'm finally just a time of my life, all alone with nothing. Same. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Well, then we're both happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Great, we're both so happy together. Perfect marriage. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a lot in this story with yeah. the legal system and right. grooming. Very gross Very and weird. gross grooming. I have to feel it's a little odd to be kind of like glad that Otto sort of got off on yeah, stage I mean, somewhat from this whole thing because it was definitely not, it was definitely an accident. Yeah. I mean, he did not know what was going on. Yes. I feel real bad for Fred because he was straight up made to feel crazy for many years of his life. Yeah, before getting murdered by the ghost that he thought was in his house. Right, so his last thought is like, I knew it! (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. And yeah, like you said, I I feel bad for Otto because he was molded into this situation. The worst thing he did was pick up two guns. Mm -hmm. He never should have gone down there armed. Right. um, Because when you pick up two guns you mean to shoot them, right? That's that's a rule of gun safety, too. That's true. If you have a gun in your hand, your intention is to shoot it. So don't do that mm-hmm. if someone could get killed. Right. I understand that he thought that she was in trouble. Um, right, and he was, like, thin and small and weak, so he was yeah. like, this is my only way of overpowering this guy, right. probably, but... But, it, it, you know, look what happened. Could, you know, yeah, he ended up killing someone that he didn't need to kill. Right. Um, and that's that's the trick there. So and for that, you know, that happens and you have there's consequences for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the real the real it's really Dolly is yeah. the only one like, I don't know, just doing whatever she wants to these yeah. dudes like yeah. and totally willing to pull in these random neighbors and stuff to be like, go get rid of this oh gun my God. and Crazy. stuff like just. Just so now willing to pull a lot of people into yeah. your own mess. <laughs> so nuts. Oh, Dolly. Oh, Dolly, you're Hello, a mess. Oh, Dolly. <laughs> Goodbye, Dolly. I know, right? You're yeah. a mess, girl. Mm-hmm. So, the moral of the story, don't trust a beautiful woman. Ah, wait a minute now. Wait <laughs> no, a minute. no, no, no. <laughs> I trust lots of beautiful moral women. Moral of the story, if you hear something in your attic, go check it yourself. Yeah, that too. Just in That's case. That's true. The moral mean, of the story is hopefully you don't meet anyone like any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moral yes. of the story. Yes. And also, yeah, if someone hands you a gun and says, will you please get rid of this for yeah. me? You say, absolutely don't. not. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Just stay the hell out of that situation. I, I mean, I don't know. We could we could go into the psychology of it. She grew up, you know, as a very young girl in a factory full of grown men. You know, mm-hmm. probably a young men. Sh- too for certain. I mean, there was kids of all right, right, and other young girls. I'm sure. Right, but uh, but she's certainly getting the attention of men at that factory from a very young age. She was taught your prettiness is mm-hmm. an asset to you and something, yeah. and sexuality is your strongest, you know, defense in the world and and offense. Like this is your tool. Very true. So you know, uh, maybe no surprise that she grew up, you know. In, in the light. way that she did. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. Speculation station. Right, speculation station. And yeah, she clearly really enjoyed sex, so that was like her number one yeah. motivation for things. Um, I don't know if you make a lot of rational decisions when you have one motivation for everything you do. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. A lot, well, of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of crazy folks in this one. Yeah. A lot of weird decisions. <laughs> If you're primarily motivated by sex, you know, reach out to us. Uh, let us know what you thought of the episode, um, mm-hmm. uh, who you've got in your attic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know who you have in your attic. 
hit us up. You can reach us at romance at iheartmedia.com. Or on social media, I am at Boom on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at oh great, it's Eli. And the show is at Redick Romance. Oh, and we're also on YouTube now. Um, it's also Redick Romance. Um, we're just uploading all of our podcast episodes up there so that they have some captions and that there's another way to share. So please go up there and subscribe. And don't forget to leave us a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to read those as well. Absolutely. Uh, we're so excited, and we will see you all Wednesday with another exciting episode of Ridiculous Romance. Yes, cannot wait. So long, friends, it's time to leave. But we'll rise again on Hallow's Eve. Put your friends in a vampiric trance and play for them our show, Ridiculous Romance. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Business. It's all the things that keep this world turning. And behind every one of these companies is a partner helping to keep it all moving. It's why the local flower shop and your favorite pizza joint, the startup in the stadium, hospitals and hotels, banks and restaurants nationwide all choose the advanced network, cybersecurity solutions, and round-the-clock trusted partnership from Comcast Business, the company that powers more businesses than anyone else. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Call or visit Comcast Business. Business.com to learn more.